All right. Praise God. Whew. I, I'm, I'm good. I'm glad to be here. Anybody else glad to be here? Good. All right. As we're dismissing our, our kids at the start of the service, I, I told everyone to take a deep breath. And so some of you I know had a hard time opening your car doors or garage doors, and some of you had a hard time opening your eyes. And so, you know, deep breath, take it in and uh, find rest. And then I need you all to contend with me. How many of you know that as a church, we've been contending for breakthroughs? Amen? Amen. All right. Now, I think it's time to be serious and to contend for spring. All right. We're going to do it by faith right now. Okay. So next Sunday, everybody, shorts and flip-flops. All right. We are going to take this thing. All right. We're not going to keep, we're not going to moan about it. We're not going to fight. We're going to go after it. Some of you aren't with me in this. Shorts and flip-flops. Next Sunday, here we go. I won't be here, but, uh, you know, I'm going to trust that you're, you're going to do it. Uh, I'll be on a bus, and so it'll, it'll be okay. But um, I just want you to know, next week, uh, that's what we're doing. Shorts and flip-flops here. So, you know, seriously, as a church, we've been contending for breakthrough. And I'll take that off the screen so you don't get distracted. Um, <laughs> We've been contending for breakthrough, striving for full restoration. Restoration means we fight for everything that Jesus died to make available to us. Everything. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11 is what, one of our key verses. Brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. I mean, that's like a clarifying statement. The God of peace will be with you if you strive for full restoration, if you encourage one another, if, and some of us, we feel like, you know, all we want out of a, a church service or a church is I, I want to feel good. I want to feel good. I love the prayer that Pastor John prayed for us this morning, that every person that ever comes into our church would find themselves at a fork in the road, that you wouldn't just leave here, you know, just feeling good about yourself, but that you would leave here knowing you are on the path that God has set for your life and that you will strive for full restoration and contending for that kingdom lifestyle. And I, I'm starting with this today because today's message is really a part of um, contending for kingdom lifestyle. And I need to stop because some of you thought Johnny and Heidi Wade were coming today because it was on the calendar and we didn't really announce to you that they're not coming um, because we rescheduled at the beginning of the week because I didn't want to play this game all week are you going to make it? Are you not going to make it? Should you come? Should you not come? So they're coming in August when we don't have to worry about snow. So they'll be here in August, and they're going to be sharing the report with us. And so we're going to go right into our unoffendable series. And our, our huddles are still not starting until March 20th. But this week, March 13th, I think huddles are meeting here at the church. And if you're not in a huddle but you want to come this week, they can come. And try to let them know because there's food. There's food. So come here Wednesday night at 6.30, and you can hear some testimonies from the other huddles. You can hear about huddles and uh, maybe get yourself into a huddle this year. And so please uh, make sure that you're here for that this week. And so, but as we start into this unoffendable series, I believe this is a life-altering series for us as a church because contending for a kingdom lifestyle is not just about miracles and signs and wonders and raising the dead, that's a part of the kingdom. 
okay? But this, about relationships, this is a part of kingdom culture. And one of the things I believe God has called us as a church is to lead a charge in restoring divisions that exist in our society. Restoring divisions in race, in class, in gender, in denomination. And you say, well, Pastor Tom, you know, we're just a small church in the middle of nowhere. So was Martin Luther King Jr., Dr. King was a nobody from nowhere and yet raised up a movement that brought uh, races together, okay? Now, some people today say that they follow Dr. King, but they don't. If you've never really read his sermons, don't say you follow him if, you, if the speech you use to try to bring people together is hate-filled because he was all about love, mercy, and non-violent standing up for what was right. And so some people today believe they're following in his footsteps and they're nowhere even on the same path that he was. And some of his sermons are powerful. I've been tempted myself to memorize one and uh, just preach it to you and see if anybody noticed. And so I would obviously give him credit at the end but um, because it's just some good, good stuff. But today we're in Luke chapter 17. So if you have your Bible, go to Luke 17. If you're using a Bible in front of you, it's on page 870. And if you can't tell, I have been excited for this series and I can't wait to get into it. As you heard, the books are only $10. That is a steal. They're available on the Welcome Center in the back. You can pick one up, drop that money in any offering basket. The study guide questions are back there that you'll be using in huddles. And then the schedules, so you can follow along with the reading that uh, is going to take place. And again, the first huddle that's going to meet with the discussion questions will be March the 20th. And so this subject of being unoffendable is probably one of the most profound and important subjects, I believe, for any church. Um, we as a church went through a study years ago called The Bait of Satan by John Bevere that talks about dealing with offenses that come. You're going to find that there's a lot of similarity in this book and in this teaching, but Brant <clears throat> does it in a really practical way. That, and I don't even know who Brant Hansen is. I mean, I, I researched him after I read the book and uh, looked him up, and he's a radio personality, and his theology in this book is good. I don't know about all of his theology, so this isn't a stamp of approval on anything Brian Hansen has wrote, so please understand that. But offense has become a huge part of our society. It is now the American way to be offended by everyone and everything. And unfortunately, the church is not much different. Christians are some of the most easily offended people on earth. We get offended for God. We get offended for other people. And it's so interesting that God himself wasn't offended. But while we were his enemies, he died for us. But we're offended for God. And we don't understand the grace and mercy that we have received. And so we can't give it to others. But I believe we can choose to be unoffendable. And it is a choice to be unoffendable. It's a choice to lay down our right to be offended. It's a choice to not hold on to anger or hurt. And it's all about denying ourselves. One of my favorite chapters in the book is chapter two, and it's called Everyone is an Idiot Except Me. And I know that that chapter is kind of funny, and some of you might be offended by that chapter title, but that's okay. And some of us would never say that people are idiots, but we act like it. Because human nature has a way of, you know, looking down on everyone around us, even if we're doing the exact same behavior. Because we kind of become blind to our own behavior. In fact, if we hear the word but don't do what it says, we become deceived, blind to our own behavior. And so we get easily offended. But 
I believe this series can help us unlock a kingdom opportunity for our lives. And so I, I titled the message today, When Opportunity Knocks. Now, I know when we use that phrase, when opportunity knocks, that's usually a good thing. Like opportunities knock and get it. Uh, it's not really a good thing today. And so we want to find out what to do when opportunity knocks. So if you got your Bibles, Luke 17. If you're using a, an electronic Bible, I'm reading from the New King James Version today, so you can actually follow along better if you're in the New King James. Um, but you got to understand the Greek language that this is written in is a very expressive language. English is pretty dull and boring across the board in languages, but other languages have nuances that you can understand the tense, you can understand things a lot better uh, in that language than you can in English. That's why a lot of our translations seem to be so different because we're trying to take something that's like multifaceted and very colorful and put it in black and white. Really hard to do when you're translating from Greek into English. And so it's not that our translations disagree, it's that they are really trying to do something that's really hard. So it's good to read from lots of translations. You get a fuller picture. Uh, it's good to go to church and hang around other believers because then you also get the fuller picture. So Luke 17, said enough, verse 1, Jesus talking to his disciples says this, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone, big heavy rock, were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea, that can't be good, than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted into the sea, and it would obey you. And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, you. That would also be translated, therefore. So therefore, you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the Bible. And by favorite, my flesh doesn't like it, but my spirit does because I think it unlocks a lot of things in the kingdom of God. Jesus starts by saying the opportunity to be offended at people is inevitable. It's inevitable. Now, a lot of us are like, well, Pastor Tom, we don't want to be negative. You know, we, we want to believe that, you know, it's possible that Jesus, in fact, Luke uses a double negative, which sometimes means a positive, but he uses a double negative in Greek in a way that emphasizes the, the impossibility of this. So as long as you live on earth, so you're looking for that church to attend where no one will ever offend you, doesn't exist. The opportunity to be offended is impossible. It's impossible. You're looking for the store to shop in where you're not going to ever be offended. <laughs> Good luck. You're not going to find it. You're looking for the marriage to be in where you're not going to get offended. It's not possible. 
For the opportunity to be offended is always going to come. And that word here, offense, is the Greek word scandalon. Scandalon. It means sin or trap or offense. In fact, literally, if you think of a trap that's used to trap an animal, it's the bait stick of the trap. You know, the center of the trap where if the animal touches it, boom, that trap closes on him. That's the type of trap that Jesus is talking about. The opportunity to be offended, the opportunity to sin, the opportunity to be trapped is inevitable. It's going to come. The animal that touches that bait stick gets trapped. It's going to happen, that opportunity. But what do we do when that opportunity comes? And the reason I believe this is so important is because the Bible teaches over and over again that our relationship with God, our vertical relationship as human beings, is actually defined best by our horizontal relationships. Meaning, the way you treat people actually talks, shows how much you understand about God or how much you understand what God has done for you. Because if you don't understand the mercy you've been given, you're not very merciful to the people around you. But the more you understand what you've been given, the better you are at distributing it around you. And so this opportunity for offense is going to come knocking. The enemy, the Bible tells us, comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. He comes to divide husbands and wives. He comes to divide parents from children. He comes to divide our brothers and sisters in Christ. But when that opportunity comes knocking, you and I don't want to take the bait. We don't want to open the door. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 4, the apostle Paul says, when you are angry, okay, anger going to come, but when you are angry, do not sin. See, angry, feeling angry isn't the sin. It's what we do with it. Do not sin. Be sure to stop being angry before the end of the day. Deal with it. Do not give the devil a way to defeat you. Some translations say don't give him a foothold. Don't give him an open door. So the opportunity is going to come knocking. And if you look through the people, <laughs> not opening that door. You understand what, what, how important this is? And here's the thing. The, the closer our relationships, the greater the opportunity. Now, that goes both ways. It's the greater the opportunity for intimacy or the greater the opportunity for offense. So the closer you actually get to people, husbands and wives, you have a great opportunity for intimacy, but you also have the greatest opportunity for offense. And that's why people often say, well, I get treated better in the world than I do at church. Well, that's because you're generally closer to the people, your brothers and sisters in Christ. So the opportunity for offense came, and you opened the door wide. So when that opportunity for offense comes, it'd be easy for us to be like, well, since they're unavoidable, I'm just going to live offensively. But Jesus clarifies that, and he says, no, woe to those who the offense comes through. So even though it's inevitable they're going to come, you and I don't live like, well, it doesn't matter. You know, Jesus offended people. No, that's not how we live. In fact, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. All that you can. Do not cause anyone to stumble, 1 Corinthians 10, whether Jew or Greek or the church of God. Even as I try to please everyone, I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. In fact, Jesus clarifies and he says, you know, these offenses, especially toward the little ones. And sometimes we translate that child, which could be, I mean, it could be someone who's unimportant or lesser than you. So in this day and age, it could have been a servant. 
You know, you look down on them, or in this day, men look down on women. So it could have been someone that's under your care. It could have been a child. It could have been a new believer. I mean, it could have been, in a sense, it's someone that we look down on. But here's the thing with offense. When we get offended at someone, everybody starts being beneath us. When pride starts entering into our hearts, we look at everyone as beneath us. So this really could, could apply to just about anyone in our life. So not only should we then try our best to make sure we're not the cause of an offense, but we should actually take extreme measures to correct offenses. Jesus tells us to take extreme measures to offer forgiveness. Now, the normal Jewish custom, okay, the law, would have put the burden on the offender to prove the genuineness of their repentance. Okay, that's the culture Jesus is talking to. So if you offend me, it's your job to prove that you're genuinely repentant before I have to forgive you, okay? But the way Jesus words this, and you, you can't translate this from Greek to English and make it understandable, but Jesus puts the emphasis on the heart of the person that had been offended to be ready to forgive. It's not about the genuine, genuineness of the repentance, because it would be easy for you and I to say, well, you know, only if they didn't repent, so I don't have to offer forgiveness. Jesus is talking about our hearts right now. He's not talking about whether that person has apologized or whether they've repented. Okay, it's questionable whether they've repented if they've done it seven times in a day. Okay, because repent means turn away, and they haven't done a very good job of that. We know from this passage that it's not on the other person. Jesus is putting it on you and I. And you're like, well, Pastor Tom, that's not fair. I'm the one that's been hurt. Yeah, I know. Welcome to the kingdom. And we have a great model for us that showed us how to do this. And see, some of us want to find rest for our souls. And the reason that we can't find rest for our souls is because we won't follow this path. We get irritated because everyone's an idiot but me. So he, he says seven is the limit, but again, that's a Greek phrase just to show the, I mean, it's not like if someone does it the eighth time, you're free to treat them, whatever. It's an, a high number to show the emphasis on the forgiveness. Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, bear with each other, means put up with each other, literally, and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You were forgiven before you repented. I don't know if you know that. It wasn't applied to you until you repented, but he offered it. He was no longer counting your sins against you from the moment he said it was accomplished. But now to take that into your life and be saved, you had to repent. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus shows how serious this is. He says, if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, Someone has something against you. It's not even now you have something against them. It's they have something against you. Leave your sacrifice at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person and then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Now, here's the thing. It takes one to forgive, but it takes two to reconcile. And all we can do is offer our hearts on that altar and say, God, I'm going to offer the forgiveness, but I can't be reconciled if they won't come. 
And so sometimes we spend all of our time and energy chasing after people who don't want to be reconciled. And at some point, I keep my heart open and I keep pressing in, but some people don't want to. And you can't force it. You can't make reconciliation happen, but you can position your heart to make it easy for that person to reconcile with you. We know from the scripture that what I'm saying is true. We know that Jesus is putting the emphasis on us who have been the offended party. I mean, the, the one who has been hurt, the one who's been wronged because of the way the disciples respond. They respond, and it would be better if this was translated with an exclamation point because they cry out. They exclaim, Lord, increase our faith. I mean, I don't know that we can live like this. We're going to need more faith. We're going to need some supernatural help for this. And how many of you know, you and I have been created new in Christ Jesus. We've been given the Spirit. So we've been given supernatural help to make this possible. And you and I have got to stop making excuses. Well, I'm just a hothead, Pastor Tom, or I'm just a passionate person. I don't know why people get offended at me. I'm Latino. I'm German. I'm Irish. I'm I'm stubborn. I'm this. I'm that. No! You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away and all things become new. And there is no reason to be offensive in our behavior. And so we won't make excuses. But as long as we keep rationalizing it, well, you don't know know how I've been treated. You don't know what I just went through. As long as we keep making excuses, we'll never learn to be unoffendable. And what Jesus tells them at this point is you don't need more faith. You just need to exercise the faith you have. I mean, some of us, we come to the altar and you're like, oh, you know, I just need to forgive this person. I need more faith. No. You already have been given everything you need for life and godliness. You need to exercise the faith you have. In fact, if you exercise the faith you already have, you can uproot a mulberry tree. And we oftentimes think of this passage in terms of miracles. You know, if you have a little bit of faith, you can move a mountain. But if you have a little bit of faith, you know, you can raise the dead. You can, if you have a little bit of faith, you can live an unoffendable life. You really can choose it. Now, here's the kicker. Jesus goes on to another story. Because here's the danger. You and I could easily get proud of ourselves when we do this. I mean, because if you live this life, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. I mean, if people treat you wrong and you offer them mercy, people are going to be like, what is wrong with you? What what are you doing? Why are you living that way? I mean, you should stand up for yourself. You should fight for your right. You should put them in their place. You're going to stick out like a sore thumb if you live like this. And you could get to the place where you could start thinking, you know, I'm I'm a pretty impressive guy because I've, I've learned to forgive people. But Jesus wants you to understand this is baseline kingdom living. This isn't even like, you know, maturity in Christ. This is the beginning. This is baseline. And he does it because he tells them a story. And he says about this servant, you know, that was outside working in the field all day, tending the sheep all day. He doesn't come into the house, this servant, and say, hey, uh, master, what's, uh, what's for dinner tonight? No, he doesn't do that. He says, master, I'll get your dinner And he girds himself, he serves him, he takes care of him, he does everything, he cleans it up, and then he gets to eat. And what Jesus is emphasizing is, you know, if you live this unoffendable life, you're really just a servant. You've just done what you were supposed to do all along. Well, that's a hard thing to swallow. Because for many of us, we weren't taught that. 
when we came into the kingdom. We thought, you know, it's pretty impressive that that person who wronged me, that I forgave them even three or four times. Hmm. Striving for full restoration is about going after everything Jesus died to provide. It's to contend for complete healing of the spirit, the soul, and the body. But just as much we are contending for this unoffendable life. So you and I have a very crafty enemy, and he uses a very subtle process to try to get into our relationships. In fact, I don't even want to blame it all on the devil, because sometimes just our flesh comes in and helps him out. Okay, so it's easy to blame the devil. Well, the devil, you know, offered me that offense, and I took it. Well, sometimes just your own pride offered it to you, and you took it. But, but he is crafty, and he does do it. And uh, I found a, a a message by Pastor Stephen Furtick. He's a pastor of Elevation Church, and he preaches on the prison of offense. And he uses this illustration in such a way it's so profound because it illustrates how little by little these offenses come into our relationships and what they do in our relationships. And what he does, he actually pulls a newlywed couple out of the, the audience. <laughs> he, they volunteer, no idea what they're volunteering for, and uh, I, I love it. But, you know, it's about a newlywed couple, but it's not just about married couples. Okay, make sure you understand this. This applies to all of our relationships everywhere. But it does really make it clear because it's in the, the vision of what marriage relationships are like. And so this is a visual that I want to imprint in our hearts and in our minds as we start this series together. And I want it to last. So I've got the video for you and we're going to watch it together. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to give you an invitation to join us in this unoffendable life. And then we're going to go after the kingdom together. So watch Pastor Stephen Furtick. Here, here's a garden. This, this represents the love of a relationship and and all the potential of a relationship. And this, of course, represents the offenses that are going to come into your relationship. Now, you don't have to be married to get a whole lot out of what I'm saying right now. This will apply to anybody in your life who is important to you and show you exactly what the enemy will try to do. Like, for instance, I don't know if Stephanie's a good cook or not. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good. good. And, and, I was talking to my mom this morning. No, my mom lives here in Charlotte, and she reminded me of this story. This is hilarious. It just shows how offenses can come, because the question isn't, are offenses going to come into your relationship? That's not the question. They're going to come. They're going to come. The question is, what are you going to do with them? That's what determines whether or not you keep a strong relationship with God, with others, with yourself. So my mom was telling me, they were at my father's mom's house, so my grandmother, my, my dad's mom's house for Thanksgiving, and she made some stuffing. Do you know that? Yeah. And, when she, and, and my, my grandmother made some stuffing, and the way, the way I understood the story, my dad was sitting there eating his mom's stuffing, and while he's eating the stuffing, he says, trying to give a compliment to his mom, he's like, mmm, mom. Nobody makes stuffing like you. I mean, other people try to make stuffing, but nobody can make it like you. 
And my mom is, my, my mom is thinking while he's saying, uh, nobody makes stuffing like you. My mom is thinking, and nobody is going to make stuffing for you except your mom. So you better invite your mom to be your cook if nobody makes stuffing like her. I, and my mom said, I didn't make that man stuffing on Thanksgiving for the next six years. And I said, can I tell the church that story? It's a good illustration. She said, yes, as long as you clarify that I really do make better stuffing than your grandmother. Now, I got you holding that because he says this stuff. Um, he says these unintentional things because men are stupid. We just say stuff. We don't realize what we're saying, and we just say stuff. And Maybe Dan hasn't done it yet. To me, he looks like an intelligent man, but he's going to say something and he, it will be unintentional in his mind. He's just saying it. He's just saying something. Just, he just says stuff. Or sometimes it's not what they say. It's what they don't do. It's an unmet expectation. That is the breeding ground of offenses in relationships. Unmet expectations. And let me tell you the breeding ground of unmet expectations. Unexpressed expectations. So you got to learn how to talk to people. Otherwise, like, let's say growing up in Stephanie's house, birthdays were a big deal. But maybe at Dan's house, they didn't make a big deal about birthdays. Because, hey, what did you do? You didn't do anything on your birthday. You were just born. So maybe on birthdays at Dan's house, nobody celebrates the fact that you just came out into the world like it was some great achievement. But Stephanie wakes up, and her mom used to make her pancakes on her birthday, and her dad had a special song that he was saying. I don't know. I'm making this stuff up. I never met Stephanie and Dan before. I was making a scenario. and So Dan wakes up on the birthday, and he's going to take her out to P.F. Chang's that night because that's her favorite place. But now it's morning time, and it's like 7, and there's no pancakes, and there's no special song, and there's no thing. And so now all of a sudden, it's the first birthday they spend as a married couple, and he wakes up and gives her a little kiss and goes to work and leaves her with an offense. And you're like, well, that's stupid. She shouldn't get so offended over that. Well, you get offended over some stuff too, some little things. And you hold it. And, and, and it won't just be you offending her. Let's say maybe, let's say you're working really hard. This used to happen in me and Holly's marriage. This is an example I did not ask for permission to share. <laughs> when I discovered that her recreational preference was shopping. And I, yeah, yeah, so she said, Me too. So you come home on Saturday, Holly would come home on Saturday, and she would be energized, and she would have bags all over her arms. But to me, those bags didn't look like shopping bags, those bags looked like grenades. <laughs> to be launched into our financial picture. Here I am trying to work. She's walking in with all these bags, looking out, and then she has the nerve to say, don't worry, because I got it on. And this is what the devil wants, all right? Now Dan is trying to fall asleep on Saturday night, and again, I'm just making this up, but she handed you this offense. She wasn't trying to offend you. She was just shopping. It was just her thing. But Dan is working, and doesn't she see how hard I'm working? And how does she expect us to get ahead financially? And like the last thing she needs is another pair of shoes. And the enemy's like, yeah, yeah, that's good, Dan. That's good. She doesn't care about you. She doesn't respect you. She doesn't, she doesn't appreciate all that you're doing to provide for her. She's working against you. It's just a little offense. Meanwhile, Stephanie is still stuck on her birthday. It was four months ago. 
she's still mad about the pancakes. Come here, Stephanie. And she's over here, and, and, and she's, still, she's still nursing that, that thing about the birthday. And see, it's every time she thinks about it, it gets a little deeper. She'll drive it down in there with every thought and reliving it and thinking about what he said and what she did and what they didn't say. They didn't pay attention to me. They don't appreciate me. And just drives it down deeper. And marriage is going to give you, because it's the most intimate relationship. And the more intimate the relationship, the more infinite the potential for offense. And so you're going to have like a million offenses, little offenses. And if you don't learn how to deal with them, because sometimes the thing that you liked about her when you were dating will drive you crazy now that you have to wake up with it every day. No offense to Stephanie. I'm sure she's wonderful. You're like, oh, why would you say that about her? It's true about everybody. Here's how the country preacher said it. He said, before marriage, opposites attract. After marriage, opposites attack. Amen. That's how the country preacher said it. And so I know it's kind of heavy. That's how offenses are, but it's not all at once. It's just one at a time. So, like, let's say that before marriage, you liked her because she is uh, mysterious and quiet, and that draws you to her. But then in marriage, it can go this way to where it was really attractive that she was quiet and mysterious when you were dating her, but now in marriage, she won't ever talk. <laughs> and it's like, no, but yeah, but no, but just for example. And it's like, why won't you tell me what's on, on your mind? But that's why you liked her. And before you married him, he was the life of the party. And he walked in and he just talked and lit up the room. And now, why won't he ever shut up? Dan will not shut up. Shut up, Dan. And so, what actually was part of building the foundation of the relationship, now it's a fence, and it happens a million different ways. And the enemy will give you all kinds of opportunities. And you don't realize what's happening because it's just one little conversation after another, you know? It's just dressing on Thanksgiving. It ain't a big thing. It's just me trying to tell Holly how to drive and her saying, Well, then why don't you drive if you're such a good driver? And we have a lot of dysfunction in our relationship over what happens in the car because I can't find my way places and she can't drive. So she has a great sense of direction but horrible driving skills. I'm a great driver with no sense of direction. So the other night, we're driving, coming from a movie, as a matter of fact, not the uh, Christian football movie, but we're coming back. And she almost got us killed. And I was mad because to me she wasn't paying attention. And we talked about that later, and she was like, Well, you know, if you want to be in control of how the car works, there's a different seat you can sit in. Shut up! Rock up! Rock up! Uh, that's the biggest problem you have. No, it's not the biggest problem we have. It's just the one I'm gonna tell you about. It's none of your business. 
But see, offense by offense, if we don't learn what to do about this, the enemy would love just one conversation after another. You don't make a decision to walk away from a relationship that you love. You don't, you don't see them becoming your enemy in Matthew 5, 25. It's just one unacknowledged effort after another, and you start thinking, well, I'm the only one who ever takes out the trash around here. I guess I'll do it, do it again, like always. No, it's good. I got it. I got it. It's not a problem. I would love to get up with the kid again in the middle of the night. No, it's fine. I know. You got to work. And now, what started is just a small offense. Now, what God joined together is separated because of offense. And now the crazy thing is, Jesus said, if you let it get to this point, if you live your relational life on the basis of, well, I'm not apologizing first, I apologized first last time. If you don't learn how to deal with these things, you find yourself in prison. It's not them that you imprison. It's you. Hey, 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 Dan. Why don't we talk anymore? Where did the love go? Dan, we haven't been to P.F. Chang's in three years, Dan. You built offense. The enemy's agenda is destruction, his strategy is division, and his tactic is offense. Thankfully, God has given us another way to deal with offense. If only we could find an example of somebody who had every right to be offended of somebody who had every right to hold it against us, of somebody who had every right to stand at a distance, but opened his arms and said, this is the way of relationship. And the Lord gave me a real specific word for somebody who needs reconciliation in your relationship, it's very simple what they have to do. If they're going to stay like they started, if we're going to get back to where we were, we're going to have to learn. Watch this. This is very, this is very profound. It's deep. You're going to miss it. This is what you're going to have to learn. You got to learn to drop it. You got to learn to drop it. And I don't mean suppress it. I don't mean you don't deal with things after they happen, but after you've had the conversation, Dan, I like pancakes on my birthday, then drop it. Touch somebody, say drop it. I mean the moment the offense, because you can't always control what's handed to you, but you can control what you do with it. So what are you going to do with the offense? Come on, Dan. You can't, you can't choose anybody else's actions. 
The enemy wants you to drive it down deep. You know, he wants you to ah, think about it and miss all the reasons that the person has, has worked their way into your life and miss all the things they've done for you. And he wants to drive it, but God says, drop it. I, I believe that there are some things that we need to drop tonight. In fact, Jesus said, this is so important that if you are in church at the altar offering a gift and a sacrifice, but the primary relationships in your life are dysfunctional and need reconciliation, you can't even properly connect with God unless you drop it. Do it again, Dan. Drop it. Every time they do it, I want you to reinforce it. One, two, three. Drop it. What are you going to do when they, when they don't acknowledge you, when they don't notice you? What are you going to do? What are you going to do when they, when they are too busy to show you the love and affection, but you know that they're trying as hard as they can to? You got to. I'm telling you, being married, being in a close relationship is about not how quickly you can get offended but how quickly you can get over it. A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Amen? One unmet expectation at a time, one conversation at a time, and we don't even see it happening. We don't even see it happening until it's too late. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. This is such a profound moment, and I, I believe it's a profound moment in the life and the history of our church. One of the things that we contend for and believe in strongly here is honor. We want to always walk in honor in all of our relationships. And I believe this call to live an unoffendable life is about learning to love and learning to forgive as Christ did for us. It's learning to offer the same honor that he did. It's learning what this, this means. I want mercy and not sacrifice. Now drop it, as he said, doesn't, it doesn't mean suppress it. It doesn't mean ignore it. It doesn't mean isolate yourselves and just pretend it's not there. You have to deal with it. If there are unmet expectations in your relationships that you don't have a conversation about, that you, you don't, you're, you're fooling yourself to think it's just going to get better. You've got to have a conversation. And just because you, you view things different than someone else doesn't mean you have to be enemies. It doesn't mean you can't walk in relationship with each other anymore. So we, we deal with things, we go to the person who's offended us, we talk it out, we find that neutral third party that Jesus said, we use church leaders, we, we pursue reconciliation and always focusing on my part. And I believe that throughout this series that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal some stuff in our lives, in some of our close relationships. Maybe some of our outlying relationships. Maybe you just get offended every time you go to work. You get offended with your, your coworkers. You're offended with the president. You're offended with politicians. You're offended with everybody who's, ah. Man, some of you, you just throw away Facebook because all it does is get you offended at people. You think, if, you just, if I could just come up with the clever saying, everybody would see the light. What a lie. Stop being offended choose to be unoffendable. 
Now here's the thing, some of you, you've been holding on to some stuff, you've got like major baggage. And if you go to the people in your close relationships and you just start dumping all that baggage, uh, it's like napalm. It's gonna just explode. And so you need to let the Holy Spirit pick and choose in this moment. Some of you just need to drop some stuff. You do just need to drop it. You need to walk away from it. And from this moment on, you just need to deal with things as they come. But don't go and say, hey, can I have a coffee, coffee date with you? And then have a list of like 20 things you wanna talk about. Um, it's not going to work. This is a process that we're going to walk our ways out of. And the process begins by, by choosing. The process begins by choosing the unoffendable life and beginning to process my own emotions. Just admitting, you know what? I've held on to some stuff. It's not what they did to me. It's that I chose to hang on to it. it cho- I chose not to tell them. I chose not to talk about it. I, I chose these things, and I'm, I'm just not going to choose that anymore. And so my challenge to you, because we're going to talk about this for weeks, my challenge for you today is just, will you choose the unoffendable life? Because I want to take a moment and I want to pray for those of you that want to choose that challenge. Because I believe this is the hardest challenge we've ever asked anyone to take in this church. Because this is something that Jesus says, it's impossible that you're not going to have this opportunity And so if you say, I want to choose to live the unoffendable life, I want to go into the kingdom because today you're at a fork in the road. You're at a fork in the road. It may feel good to vent. It may feel good to write that post. It may feel good to give that person a piece of your mind. or or, or, It may feel good, but it's not going to give rest to your soul. It's not going to give rest to your soul. And one thing at a time, the irritation level, the frustration level. And then you know who we always take it out on? The people closest to us. We start yelling at people that they don't even know what they did. And honestly, they didn't do anything. They're just the ones that are close enough that we can vent on. And the enemy does this, but I believe this church is destined for better things. I believe there are days coming when we're going to have kingdom power available to us because we choose kingdom lifestyle. We choose to believe in the miraculous, but we choose to believe in total reconciliation of relationships too. So I want you to stand with me. And here's what I want you to do. If you want to say, I'm not saying you have offenses today. You know, I don't want to embarrass, but can I just tell you the reality? I bet everyone in this room's got something. Something. But if you want to say today, I want to accept the unoffendable challenge. I want to pray for you, but I want you to move and I want you to step out. I want you to come to the front. Just step out from where you are and say, I want to be unoffendable. I want to choose this life. I I mean, I know it's hard. I know it's next to impossible, but I believe God's given me the power to do it. I want to do it. I want to find rest for my soul. And I want to pray for you. I want to pray God's blessing over this body as we step into this challenge. So if that's you, and some of you at the end of this prayer, you're going to need to stay, okay? Because you've got some stuff to sort out, and that's okay. If you need to stay or you need to go, it doesn't matter. It doesn't make you more spiritual, less spiritual. I just want you to respond. But for some of you, the challenge isn't really at this altar. The challenge is what's happening on the way home today or at the restaurant today or when the snow plow comes today. Some of you, it's in that moment. 
And so I want to pray this blessing over you, and then we're just going to dismiss you. And if you want to stay and pray, you can stay and pray. If you need to be dismissed, you can be dismissed too. Our prayer team is here if you want someone to agree with you as well. But Father, I thank you. I thank you for, God, every one of these brave people. I thank you for every one of them that they hear your voice. God, we hear you. We hear you. Here's what we know today, God. You love us. You absolutely love us. You love us with a love that we can't even understand. Because you had every right to be offended and you had every right to stay at a distance. But you did not. You came near. You proved that you were God with us. Even when we were your enemies, you came to us. You pursued us. You continue to pursue us. Even when we are unfaithful, you stay faithful because it's who you are. And you have given us everything we need to live this unoffendable life. No more excuses. It's not our personality. It's not the people in our lives. It's not the season of our lives. It's not the weather. You've given us everything we need for life and godliness. You've given us everything we need for this unoffendable life. And we refuse to use excuses. We take total responsibility for us. And as much as it depends upon us, we will live at peace with all men. We will pursue when we feel like walking away. We will pursue when we feel like distancing ourselves. God, we will have that conversation that we don't want to have because we want to pursue kingdom living. Holy Spirit, I pray that over these next several weeks, you would reveal everything that we need to see clearly, that you'd remove every blinder from our eyes that needs to be taken away so we can see. And I pray that, Holy Spirit, you'd give us willing and obedient hearts. Give us a humility like never before. God, you promised that if we humble ourselves, you would give us even more grace. And we, we want that, we need that. So Holy Spirit, teach us to walk in humility. Teach us to lay down our rights, to crucify our flesh, strengthen us and empower us for this task ahead. God, I pray that you'd help us to find strength and encouragement in one another. God, help us to, to lay aside the sarcasm to lay aside the, the frivolous comments that we use. And God, to really find ways to encourage each other, to really find ways to, to, to just push each other on in this challenge. God, to live that unoffendable life. So God, thank you for calling us to this higher level of living. Thank you that you have plans for us in your house. God, that are, are noble purposes. You've got purposes for us, God, that are, are good things and you want to clean out some of this stuff so that, you're, that we're useful for anything that you have. And so I pray your blessing over this body of believers. Today, I pray your blessing over everyone who's watching by live stream or by video, who's listening. God, I pray your blessing over them as they step into this challenge. God, that they would, as they take on your yoke and your burden in this way, God, that they would find rest for their souls. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you want to spend some time around the altar, you can do it. If you need to be dismissed, just do it quietly. And let's keep this as a place of prayer for those that want to spend some more time in prayer. God bless you as you go. Don't forget to pick up a copy of the book if you want it. And uh, remember, huddles this week, 630 on Wednesday night. God bless you as you go.